This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, Alex Ferrario, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango and Jamie Rivers here recording for you on a uh, Thursday in St. Louis. It's beautiful outside. I have a bejesus ton of yard work to do when I get out of here today, and I don't want to do it at all. What's going on in the yard? First of all, one of the reasons that we love our house so much is because they're these two huge, beautiful trees in the backyard. Okay. I love them. However, you know, time of the year, as it does, the leaves have fallen off. And now in my yard, there are 6.4 billion leaves. Ooh. And, um, you know, man, it it's fine. I get to them. Normally, I get to them a little bit earlier on in the year, but I've been really dreading doing this for some reason. But we've got today and tomorrow where the weather's going to be good. i got to get off my ass and put a dent in it. You know what I mean? So how do you attack it then? Do you have a big-ass leaf blower, or do you have, like, or do you just old-school rake? Like, All right. Well, let me, let, me, both? let me tell you a couple things here real quick. First and foremost, uh, I'm a big proponent of the old-school rake situation, uh-huh. primarily for my kiddos. All right? They'll be out there helping me today. That said... <clears throat> And I feel like this is a me thing. I bought a leaf blower uh, two years ago, and I think the leaf blower is like okay, but it's not like a great leaf blower. Like my next door neighbor does lawns, right? And so he's got one of those sons of bitches that you put on your back and, you know, you could blow away a car. Yes. Uh, Mine is not like that. So we use a combination of the blower for like some of the big stuff, but then you got to get in there to rakes to get into all the other. Got to get yourself a good leaf blower. Yeah, man. I, I got one, and it's not a gas one. It's not like one of those backpack ones. Yeah, you know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Mine's just a battery operated one, but it is kick ass. Yeah, and it's so it's so good that like when it snows in the winter. I take that out. Like, as long as the snow's not too heavy. Yeah, yeah. I'll just take that out to the driveway and bl- all the snow off the driveway. See, man, this is one of those things, and I'll be very honest with you. When I was looking at these blowers, I was trying to not spend a lot of money. Yeah. But I really should have spent the other 50 75 bucks just to, to level up one rung, yeah. and I would have been fine. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So... Just be better, Donnie. Yeah, no, I know that. Also, man, and I was thinking about this. This doesn't have anything to do with hockey, which people are going to love. But if I were you and I was on the road as much as you are now, I would be so poor. Because in every city that I would go to, I would try to find every cool record store that I could humanly possibly find. And I would absolutely hose all of my money away on that. Is there anything like, you know, man, like when you're in a city or whatever, and obviously you probably know these places because you've been there before, so it's not necessarily new. But like... Do you have little things that you try to do when you're in town, or are you so just in and out that you really don't even get the chance? Well, it depends on the city. Mm-hmm. You know, like we went to St. Paul, and it was freezing up there in Minnesota. There's really not much I wanted to do, so I didn't do much, <laughs> right. you know? Like, just sort of stayed inside and enjoyed my hotel room. Sure. We, we go to Chicago. I love to always walk the streets of Chicago. No yeah. one spot in particular that I like to go to. I like to find a good restaurant and try to sometimes pick a restaurant that I've heard about but haven't tried or something that's new since the last time I went there. But, you know, no more thought than that put into it. Yeah. So it's kind of that's the way it goes. We just were in Vegas and, you know, quite a bit to do there. So <laughs> you, you can't just pick one thing. Um, so that was good. And, uh, yeah, but there's usually something in each city that I, I like to do. Like if it's uh, if it's in Montreal... I love walking the streets of Montreal. The old Montreal, they've got the buildings and the cobblestone and all that. It's cool. I have heard a rumor 
um, and I don't know if this is true or not, but I believe that it's from a pretty reputable source that we both know. I have heard that the, let's just say, the adult entertainment establishments in Montreal are some of the best in the world. Wow. Look at you go. No, I don't know this. I've never been to Montreal. I'm looking at you and asking, maybe you've heard this. Uh, Well, hypothetically, if someone (laughs) were to... Hypothetically, of course. Frequent mm-hmm. some of these so-called places. Right, sure. One one might think that, yes, they're the best in the world. Got one it. might think that if they were to attend. But yeah. That's if. Only, Got it. Got know. it. I, I completely understand. Yeah. And the person in which that I heard it from was not someone that you would expect. So it just completely blew my mind. And since then, oh, I've yeah. been like, wow, it must be if he's saying something yeah, about no, it. No, the, the, the Chez Paris in Montreal is like a rite of passage for every hockey player. Like your rookie season, whatever it is, you go to Montreal. Like you make sure you go see the Chez Paris. Right, right, right. It's, it's a great establishment. Something else to check out if you're in Montreal. Yeah, just check it out. <laughs> Tell them Jamie sent you in. <laughs> <laughs> they might have a table reserved for you, man. Not so, anymore. Okay, so um, <clears throat> watch the game last night. Um, much like a lot of this season, boy, baby, we are on a roller coaster ride. You see a first period where you're like, yes, this is great. And then a second period where you go, oh, God, that was not great. And so I have a lot of questions about this. But the first place that I want to start, and I completely want to preface what I'm about to say, I am not saying that the Blues lost because of the officials. I know that is not the case. The second period did him in. I get it. But, dude... Was that that had to not be those refs' best night in the NHL last night? What do you, um, can can you help me out I don't there? Know. So let's do it this way then. If you can recall a certain call or calls plural that you don't like, maybe we can attack those and I can explain them. Sure, because some of this was self-inflicted right. by the Blues because they did take some dumbass penalties. Too many men on the sure. ice. Right, was clear right in front of me. It was clear it happened, and then there was a bench miner. Where a coach got angry at a referee and let him have it, and he got an unsportsmanlike call. So those are two very self-inflicted wounds on the power play. Okay, so a couple of things here. One, Barubi was losing his mind because of potentially or because of a missed call on Brandon Sod. Correct. Well, he was losing his mind uh, for a couple of missed calls. That being one of them, but the other one was Vegas had six players on the ice at yes. one point, like completely like t- 10, 12 feet from the bench. So much so that on the broadcast last night, I had them grab it, and I counted right on the screen. Six guys, like, playing, and referees didn't call it. And this was on the heels of them calling too many men on the Blues, to which they were guilty of. Right. But in this case, so were the Golden Knights, and referees just kind of skated past it. And so that was frustrating. And then what happens with that is the, the missed call on the too many men, if you go three seconds after that, Torpchenko gets called for slashing. So if you call the initial penalty, the slash doesn't happen. So within a matter of five seconds, the referees have screwed up two calls. Oh, yeah. So that's why it gets frustrating. But, but, let's go back to the original thing in which that you had had said when we started this. There was definitely some undisciplined moments last night for the Blues that, man, you just cannot have against a team that's as good as Vegas. Can't give that opportunity to those guys. You know, they've got a really good power play, and last night I think they threw over 20 shots on net on the power play alone. They scored two goals, I believe, on the power play. You can't do it, man. 
you, you've been very disciplined. In fact, the Blues have been the most disciplined team in the NHL as far as actual penalty minutes. And last night it just blew up. It was one of those games. The screwy thing about it is, is that after all of this insanity, there was still like seven minutes left in the game and you were down by only two. Yeah. I kept thinking that they were going to net one and come back. I, I really did. It felt did. like it. In the third period at one point, about the five-minute mark, it felt like the Blues were about to score a goal. And had they scored a goal with five minutes left, I don't know ultimately what the outcome is, but I think it would have gotten pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, okay. So what happens, Jamie, when you are playing in one of these games where, you know, whether it's the refs or not, you or not, but, you know, the the ref, the penalty situation is on your mind. You know, how, dude, do you put that behind you and keep playing? Because it was obvious there a couple of times in the third that, you know, the, the Blues were pissed about it and... It, you know, they weren't just moving on. They, you know, man, they were kind of yeah. sitting in it a bit. How do you not do that? Well, you have to have good leadership. You know, it starts with the coaches, then goes to your captains and your older players. Like, at some point, you've got to just stop worrying about it. Mm-hmm. You're not, you cannot change the call that just happened. Like, you can't. I've never seen a referee a minute and a half later go right. back and say, you know what? Come out of the box. Sorry, guys. My bad. Right, right, Take right. Take the goal off the board. I made a bad call. Like, I've never seen it. Right. So don't worry about that stuff anymore. As hard as it is and as, it, as infuriating as bad refereeing can be, at one point you have to either you have to park it or you lose the game. Right. That's the bottom line. I've I mean, never seen a team lose their mind over and over again and then come back and win a game. Yeah. It, it just it doesn't happen. The wheels fall off and it just feels like, okay, here we go. Man, it was just something to watch last night because, again, it goes into the roller coaster of everything because, at you know, obviously the second period sucked or whatever, but, like, you still have moments in that game, like just almost virtually every Blues game, where you see the Blues doing what they do well. Yeah. You know, so it, it, it just seems like it's there. It's just not consistently there. Well, that's... Right, and I mean, I mean that's just where they are now. That's just that that just seems just what the, this what this team is for now. Right, yeah. and, but it kind of almost seems like that's where they should be, whether it's frustrating for us or not. It's frustrating. Uh, only thing I have to do sometimes when I start to look at it and I get, you know, upset, and it's because I want the team to win. Is what did this look like last year? Does it look like that right now? No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. So. You know, there's steps in the right direction. And and if your power play could do some damage, even a little bit of damage, you could have an extra two or three wins right now. Mm-hmm. So if you add up all that stuff together, you're thinking to yourself, okay, we're not a, 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 a juggernaut this year, but we're a playoff team. Mm-hmm. Like, we're right there. So things are better. And that's what you wanted. Right. Doug Armstrong never promised a championship team this year. He said, we're in the middle of a retool. We're going to do some things. We're going to try and get back to the playoffs next year. But we're, you know, we've got to have to do, it's going to take a couple years yeah. before we get to where we need to be. So this is better than it was last year, which means it headed in the right direction. Jacob Verona was scratched again last night. <clears throat> um, it, it just, I don't know, man, and maybe this is just me, but like it feels like this dude's time here is just kind of ticking away. Because as as well as they play... Even with ups and downs, I don't see him coming in and and making a difference that helps us win that game last night. I mean, I just – and it feels like so much skill to just be sitting in the press box. Like, I feel like this situation has got to come to a head sooner than later. Yeah, so 
here's what I would say is, you know, the player that's sitting out right now, Verona, <clears throat> if he's in the lineup, is he making a difference? Well, I'm going to say no because if he was making a difference, he'd still be in the lineup. Is exactly. That... So that's where you're Period. at. I mean, you're, you have a very skilled hockey player who's been blessed with speed, stick handling, shooting, all these things that you can you, you, that almost every hockey player would love to have. But what he doesn't quite understand is the the concept of playing for 60 minutes every shift, every game. He likes to. He wants the puck. He doesn't want to go get the puck. And that's the one thing I think that's frustrated Craig Berube and the coaching staff is this is a team that's built off the forecheck. It's hard to forecheck if you're not willing to go in first. Absolutely. And when you're the first guy, the F1, as they call it, your job is to be the hunter. You get in there and you find the puck and the man that's got it and you separate the puck from the man one way or another, whether with a body or with a stick-on puck, whatever it is, that's your job. As the F2... The second guy in, your job is to hunt the puck down and get it back for your team. And then your F3, he's the support guy in case everything goes wrong. Well, you can't always be F3. Like, you can't. You have to be F1 or F2 on any given shift. And I think the thing that I've noticed with with Verona is he kind of looks around. Like, eh, eh, maybe, maybe not. Can't do that. Yeah. Can't do And he's been told, listen, the player's been sat enough games now to where whatever meetings have had to happen and aren't, video sessions aren't working. Well, well they've happened, right? Mm-hmm. And to your point, they're not working. Mm-hmm. So if he's not a top six forward on your team, because that's the skill he possesses, if he can't play as a top six forward, he can't play on your team because as a bottom six, he's not going to be a grinder. Nope. He's not going to do the things that you need your third and fourth lines to do. Correct. The dirty work. And even if you look at your first line, look at the work that Thomas, Buchnevich, and Neighbors do mm-hmm. in a game. Look at the work that they do. Like, it, it, this is not a team that can afford to just have a very skilled passenger. Right. To where, you know, you can't have a Mike Hoffman this year. And I, with all due respect to, to Mike Hoffman, because he was a power play assassin. And I've said that several times. Yeah, man. But Jacob Verona isn't. So... If you're not, then what do you do? Okay, so you have seen this kind of player before in your career. Yeah. I'm sure. Many. Many. What percentage of those guys does the light bulb go off? And they go, oh, crap, and finally get it. Or, I mean, are we just looking at this guy who in a couple of years is going to be putting up huge points in the KHL or a Swedish Pro League or something like that? So my experience with players like this is they start their career off and have success, and then once they have the success, they move from team to team and have small pockets of success because that's the poison. Right? Like Jacob Verona or a player like Jacob Verona goes to a new team. You get 15, 20 really good games. And you're like, oh, I'm in. Yep. Let's go, baby. And then it dissipates from there. And you're like, what the heck? And so you trade him or you wave him or whatever. Goes to the next team, 15, 20 games. Oh, wow. What a steal this guy is. And then it dissipates from there. I've seen this yeah. a thousand times in this league. And those guys just never seem to recapture their full form. And they do end up going over to Switzerland or, or to the KHL and putting up massive numbers and doing that because they can play however they want sometimes over there. Right, right. 
Man, it's just so crazy, though, to see somebody that legitimately has skills that make you, when you're watching him sometimes, go, holy cow, not everybody can do that, but then not to be able to play the complete side of that. You so know let me saying? flip the frustration a little bit, okay? How about how frustrating is it to see a guy play that way and then him not do it all the time? Ah, oh, dude. It's like, think about one of your children or you know, somebody you know who has a ton of potential. You see that potential and they're unwilling to tap into it. Oh, man. Yeah, how frustrating is that? Dude. And then at some point, you as a coach or you as somebody, you've got to be like, hey, man, I've done everything I can. Yeah. I've said everything I can. I, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, the meetings have happened. Right. And so now if there's an injury or something, or maybe... Maybe you give him a wake-up call, a chance against his Columbus team or the Chicago team coming up in the next two games, and hopefully, you know, maybe it's the last chance. Let's see what he can do out here. That's so crazy. It, it is. I mean, I mean, it's really not, though, because, I mean, I think that this is, this is kind of a pattern for him, right? It is. Yeah. It, and this is just not a team that can carry an extra guy like that. Sure. Uh, one thing I do want to mention to, uh, today um, is... <laughs> Jordan Cairo's goal last night was stupid. <laughs> like, it was just so... How about him and Jake Neighbors last night? Dude. My for, gosh. First of all, I think that my man crush on Jake Neighbors is getting substantial, man. Really? Dude, this freaking... in your eyes. Dude, this freaking kid, man. Yeah, weird. Every... Probably. But, dude, <laughs> but he's doing everything that we want him to do. And then on top of it, he's got 10 goals. Yeah. But, I mean, you talk about, like, doing everything... That he needs to do to stay in the lineup, he is done. And not only that, he superseded it. Started the year in the third line, bumped up to the second line, second line to the first line. Honey, he started on the fourth line. Oh, he started on the fourth. Well, then there you go. So, I mean, and just every night, all of the things, the little things that he's supposed to do, he's doing. And what I don't understand, and I know it's not as easy as this, but how in the hell, if you're Jacob Verona and you're sitting up in the press box in that suit, that you do not see that. And it's not as though Verona can't do that. Maybe he can't play as big of a body or whatever, but still he's got skill. It drives me insane. But Jake Neighbors, welcome, buddy. You're going to be here for a long time. Yeah, he's a great player. He's a great kid, too. He's so much fun to talk to, and you know, like he just gets it. He's a bit of a throwback. He really is. Well, and that's what I've heard is that like he is somebody that 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 is incredibly teachable, that wants to learn is you know like one of those like kind of like uh, I don't want to like hockey nerd kind yeah. of guys. No, he's just a kid that is you know a well raised kid yeah. for one thing, and two he listens. He listens. Yeah. You know, he's a coachable kid. It's just like anybody in life who has a job or in business that's coachable or manageable, you can usually elevate that person to more than they even thought they could be. And I think that's what Jake Neighbors is doing right now. He's found a groove with this Robert Thomas, Puchnevich line. Uh, he's scoring almost every game. He's in the he's front he's in front of the net all the time. Yep. He's doing all the things, all the little dirty area things that you need him to do. And that's why he's having this success. Man, and, and what's so great about it is, is that you see the growth for him as a player. And then you see the year so far that, like, Colton Pareko has had. And so we're starting to see some of these things that we were... Wait, Colton Pareko's good, Tony? <laughs> wow. How about, how about them apples, oh Jamie? God. <laughs> I mean, I could be crazy, but I seem to remember somebody in this room, well, how about me, for that matter, having to defend Colton Pareko endlessly last year. Yeah, man. A lot. And I mean, probably the and beginning the of this season, year, too. 
Everybody calling for a trade of Colton Pareko. Trade him to the Leafs. Trade him to the Oilers. Trade yeah. him here. Shouldn't be paying him six and a half million dollars. Blah blah blah. I blah, said blah. that six and a half million is going to look pretty good to you. I remember actually you said that the day that he signed that deal. Yeah, I very much it's remember that. It's a great that. deal. He's a fantastic hockey player. He had been battling injuries, and unless you've ever tried to do that at the professional level, you can't sit here and tell me you understand because you don't. Yeah, and. He's healthy. He's playing as good, if not better, than I've ever seen him play. He's a dominant force out there. He skates the puck out of the zone at will. He joins the rush. He's getting up in front of the net. He's shooting the puck. He's defending. He's a nightmare to try and play against because he takes up so much ice. Time and space, there is none. Watching these guys come down the ice, and you watch the next game. There's a lot of times when the rush is coming up up the ice to the blue line, they go to Letty's side. It's no disrespect to Nick Letty. It's just the ultimate respect to Colton Pareko. They don't want to deal with that. Not because he's big and physical going to hurt them. It's just he's going to kill the play. Right, right. So that says a lot to me. When teams start to alter their thought process because of the way a guy plays, then that, to me, is very telling. You know, we were talking about injuries a minute ago, and um, um, from what I have understood and from what I have read – Whatever surgery it was that Patrick Kane had, like people... Hip resurfacing. Which to me sounds horrible and awful and terrible, (laughs) but those that have seen him on the ice, and I know he played last night and I didn't get a chance to watch it because I was watching the Blues, but like they say that he looks 10 or 15 years younger. How in the hell is that possible? And I know you're not a doctor, but I mean, you have been hurt a time or 12, so, so I would think you could speak to this a bit. Well, the last couple of seasons he's been playing hurt. And so when you're playing hurt as much as you think you're at 100%, you're just not. Mm -hmm. And so this, from listening to what Patrick Kane has said about the whole procedure, he was like almost immediately he felt better. Mm -hmm. And so since that moment, he's been training and doing his rehab and whatnot. And the surgery, they must have done a fantastic job because a lot of guys who've had this hip resurfacing, it just has not worked out for them. Right. In fact, their careers have basically ended. But Patrick Kane looks like he's wheeling and dealing again, and if that's the case, man, the Red Wings, who are currently in second place in their division, I mean, they'll be a lock to make the playoffs. Man, and that is, and it's exciting, kind of what they've got going on. And again, like I told you when we recorded the podcast at Twin Peaks, like I don't, I hate Patrick Kane, but I am now completely <laughs> enthralled with this Detroit storyline for yeah. real. Because, like, I don't know, man. I think you said it. Somebody said, but like. The NHL is better when Detroit is good. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So, like, and again, them being in a different conference, I don't feel like, you know, like, like such a cheater. Are they ever going to fix what is happening in Columbus? That seems like an absolute, complete disaster, train wreck, everything about it. So, like, not only do they start the year with the Babcock stuff, but then now you've got their best players uh, that have. Been scratched in games, not performing. What in the hell is going on there, man? I don't know. I really don't because they've got some good hockey minds there. John Davidson, Yarmo Kekalein, and uh, one would think it would be going a lot better. And for some reason, Columbus kind of flies under the radar. When when people think of, like, crap teams, they think of the Arizona Coyotes because of their arena situation, and they don't have this... I mean, Columbus is just as bad. When you think about, you know, how their their play has been over the years and then just where they're at right now. Now they have a building, so that's 
I mean, that's fine. I mean, so they've won up to Arizona there. Yeah, and they have the fan base. The fans are showing up still. So that's good on the fans. But the team is not good. And the whole Mike Babcock thing threw things into a tailspin. They had to hire another guy basically on the spot. I believe he's qualified, so I'm not going to sit here unfairly and say that, oh, he didn't. He shouldn't be behind the bench because I don't know him. Never played for him, don't know much about him. He might be a genius, and maybe it's the players, which it seems quite honestly like it's the players at this point. Yeah. But I, I don't know. It's a mess. Um, I don't know what they'll do throughout the season. I don't know what they'll do after the season. It, it seems like it needs a, comp- a complete cleansing, but... You know, what that looks like, I have no idea. Yeah, because you just signed Johnny Hockey to like an eight-year deal, nine-year deal, whatever the heck that that is. Wow. Like, it just, and you know what, and that is, you know, a franchise that, you know, smaller market, whatever, I have a tendency to kind of root for those kinds of teams, but man, it it just seems like this entire year has been a freaking nightmare, and I'm super, super glad that I'm not a Blue Jackets fan. Yeah. Well, don't worry, you won't won't ever be. Yeah, I don't think so. I got a quick question for you. Yes, sir. Last night, what did you think of the non-goalie interference, goalie interference play? Okay. Because I've had a lot of people on social media tag me on things like this and ask me about this. And one in particular asked if we're going to cover it on the podcast. Okay. let me get your take first. Well, listen, man, to to be very honest, and I watched – Barubi's press conference after the game last night, so I kind of saw what he said uh, and thought is that you're not going to review that play unless you're sure or at least pretty sure that the interference does happen because if you don't, then you're back killing a penalty. So I I think that they made the right call. I don't think you want to put Vegas on the power play again like that. I mean, more than anything else, dude, if we could be very frank about it, that was like the second time that somebody was in friggin' Bennington's friggin' kitchen, and I wish one of our guys would have, you know, I don't know, done something. That was my issue as much as anything else. Yeah. Oh, I would agree, because two games in a row, your your number one goaltender's been run over. The first game is Ivan Barbashev, and Bennington stayed down for a couple of seconds, didn't know if he was going to return. And last game was William Carrier, just comes plowing through there and runs them over. Do These I... dudes know that they can do that and get away with it. They know that, Jamie. Well, that's the problem. God dang it. That's the problem. There's going to need to be somebody to step up at some point. And it's not like you have to go and fight the guy right away, uh, which sure would be nice if two or three or four guys went over and just went after the guy. Yeah. You know, uh, Remember, I think it was last year or maybe the year before, Robert Bortuzzo ran into Vasilevsky in Tampa. All five guys on the ice went after him, dropped their gloves, and went after him. Yeah. And it wasn't all tough guys. And I'm not saying you have to do that. Right. But there has to be some level of uh, paying the piper. And if it's not because you're going to fight the guy who ran into your goalie, then you better go do something elsewhere on the ice find a star player find another goalie something yeah there has to be retribution at some point okay and i know we're gonna go back to to this but but dude like jamie you were saying this to me last year you were frustrated about these kinds of incidents with the blues last year with people running on the goalies and and very little being done yeah so It's got to change. I, l- listen, the coaching staff can't sit there and say, hey, go run him over. I need you guys to play tougher. They can say that, but they can't say, go after that guy. Right. I mean, it's just, 
this is not going to happen in today's game. Now, they did it in my day. Right. Go after If number 12 finishes the game, you're bench next game type thing. And that doesn't happen anymore. But there still has to be a certain amount of pride behind it. Yeah. You know, you can say you're together as a team and everybody loves each other and all that stuff. But if that was your brother, if it was truly your brother or your family member and somebody did that, like there would be a reaction. Yeah. So the fact that there wasn't an immediate reaction, I think tells a little bit of a story there. Yeah. And I'm not making more of it than it is. Right. Because it's just a quick incident. And sometimes in the moment, in a split second, like you don't answer the bell or you don't think about it or something else happens. And I've said this a million times to different people. When you're going to fight somebody, there's two people. There's two people that fight immediately because that's their first instinct. And the people that don't fight, like they find something else to do quickly. It's like the fireman who runs into the building or runs out of the building when it's on fire. Which one are you? Right. And it's just who you are. It's not doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't like it's just whatever the chemical makeup is in your brain, that's what's going to happen instinctively for you. And right now, I don't know if the Blues have that instinctive guy on the ice at all times. Mm-hmm. I do. Th- I think they have him. He's wearing the C on his chest. Yeah. But he can't be the only guy doing it. And I feel like he has been for the last two friggin' years. Oh, at least two. And I'm afraid he's going to break. And we've talked about this before. I'm afraid he's going to break his freaking hand one of these days in getting into one of yeah, these fights. He shouldn't have to do that. No. Stuff. You have other guys who are looking to secure more ice time, bigger roles, all that stuff that the opportunity is there to become more popular among your teammates, your coaching staff, and all that just by doing something that the team would need. So, so going back to the actual yes. call. Sorry about that. No, that's okay. Going back to the actual call, It, in my opinion, it wasn't enough goalie interference. Mm-hmm. So William Carlson is making that move to the front of the net. He's spinning. His foot clips the stick of Jordan Bennington. He doesn't kick it out, doesn't like run him over. And Benny just kind of drops his stick in the meantime. And then from there, we know the goal happens and whatnot. But I think that in the moment when you've got to make that decision quick as a coaching staff, you're looking at it and going, is it black and white? Right. Like, is this interference? And I couldn't tell you if it was or if it wasn't. And so the fact that that had been the tying goal of the game and you just were on the penalty kill, do you want to put Vegas back on the power play? No way. The odds are, like, in that that last day was, like, probably 30-70, your odds. 70% being it's not goal right. interference, which means you will 100% get a penalty. Right, right. So I want to I wanna go back to this real quick. And, you know, man, dude, I have nothing but love for Craig Berube. I would run through a wall for the guy. I love him. I'm so glad that he's here. But in kind of maybe trying to read between the lines with you a little bit, are you – a bit disappointed that Chief or whomever it was behind the bench last night let it go to the point that they got the bench minor. Do you think you you know what I'm saying? Like like are you like ah come on man you it wasn't necessary or what you know what do you think? Maybe I'm yeah. reading wrong. Um, look, Chief is is not a guy who and the coaching staff overall they're not selfish people, so it's not like. You know, they were doing something to be self-serving. Everybody has a boiling point. I mean, you just do. Yeah. Like, think about, you know, working every single day in an environment and 
There's no, I don't know of many people that make it through every single workday and don't have a blow-up every now and then, yeah, even yeah. if it's not at somebody. Yeah. Even if it's just yourself going out to the break room and MFing somebody yeah. or something. Yeah, and yeah. Everybody has, unfortunately, these these meltdowns or these, these frustration moments are right there, and the referee is there, and like it's right in front of them. I don't blame Craig Berube for it. Yeah. And sometimes, too, coaches do that as a strategy, try and get everybody fired up. Sometimes coaches do that, and it's a distraction right. to the team. So sometimes that has a negative effect to where the wheels fall off and everybody thinks now we're all going to complain. <laughs> right. Because our, our leader is complaining, so we all should complain. So that's why it's very dangerous to take that approach. Uh, most coaches, including Craig Berube, uh, tend to not say anything until it's time to say something. Mm-hmm. And that way there it's more impactful. But, uh, yeah, it, I don't fault anybody, man. Are you kidding? Me, of all people? <laughs> right. You, you would have been chirping as well. I'd and- probably MF somebody on the way here today. <laughs> so, no. Dude, what's, and what, I, what I'm, like, so after that happened last night, I'm just thinking to myself, ooh, I wonder if there was a magic word. Or I wonder well, if there was a few a- magic words that happened. <laughs> Remember, I'm down there. Yeah. I, yeah. But, I, but it looked like he was going after him for a while, so I felt like maybe just, like, at a point, the ref was like, hey, no more, or I'm going to give you two, and then Craig chirped in with another one and, and he got that, that sequence did happen and then the play went down to the other end and then there was a moment of not looking at the puck at the other end but just focusing on the guy with the orange armbands <laughs> and letting him have it a few more times and that was the tipping point <laughs> right yeah. right well uh i think um we've covered a lot of ground here today i think that uh where where are you going next oh your favorite spot. Oh, yeah, Columbus. Columbus. <laughs> well, there you go. So it's Columbus and then Chicago this weekend? Yeah. Friday, Saturday? Yes, sir. When do you leave? Uh, An hour from now. Oh, gee, man, Christmas. <laughs> what do you eat on the plane? Whatever you, they have. Who do you sit Who do you sit next to? John Kelly. That's your That's your buddy? You it's guys my boy. Just, that's so awesome. Yeah. Well, they have it sectioned off, and you know the coaches have a section up front. Then it's like the media slash staff. And then the back of the plane is all the players. Yeah. So it's, it's perfectly divided. Dude, that's so kick-ass. I mean, I don't know that I'm, like, jealous of you because this is, like, your thing. Listen. But, dude, that's so Donnie, dumb. it is rigorous flying these chartered flights. No TSA, no lines. I mean, it really, I miss those, okay? <laughs> dude, the next time you have to stand in a TSA line, you're going to be miserable. I know. It, it, could be, it could be six people long, and you're going to be like, why the hell is this taking so long? Oh, for sure. I will be... <laughs> Pissing and moaning so bad. I'd be such a diva. Dude, I remember I was at the Cleveland airport earlier this year, and um, that it was, <laughs> I thought it was funny, but this group of TSA agents might have been the meanest people in which that I have ever seen doing that job ever. <laughs> and at one point, there was a guy that was in the line complaining, and one of the TSA people was like, what are you going to do about it? What do you, you, got, you got to listen to us. What are you going to do about it? And I was just like, Huh, you have got a lot of power in this situation. You are correct, sir. Now, in fairness to that TSA agent, how many times did he maybe have to tell somebody something and they didn't listen? Can you you imagine? Listen, can you imagine what those people deal with on a daily basis? No. I literally cannot. Dude, I just try to be the whatever you need. 
I want to get in. I want to get out. I I don't even want you to remember my face. Yeah. That's what I want. Oh, I know. And I don't know who the people are that go in there and start giving people crap, but, you know, whatever. They're they're just weirdos. All right, Jamie, uh, safe travels. Get the heck out of here. Thanks, it's wonderful to see you. For our friend, uh, Jeff Burton, Jamie Rivers, Donnie Fandango, and this is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. As always, thank you very much for listening, and let's go Blues. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com.